Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Welcome back to the Coverly Changing Podcast. I am so glad that you are tuning in and listening. Today, we're going to learn more about Sierra Leone. So the question for today is, when did Sierra Leone gain its independence? All right. If you guessed April 27th, 1961, you are correct. All right, so definitely explore that question with your kids, do some deep dive learning, and learn more about different countries on the continent of Africa. Today's African proverb is, a big fish is caught with big bait. And that is a Sierra Leonean proverb. Today, we have a great show planned for you. We are going to hear from Fatmata Jola. She is a nurse practitioner, a children's book author, military wife, and owner of a staffing agency. Please listen in and learn from her expertise. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the country of Sierra Leone. Okay? Okay? It means to demonstrate or to teach in Mende. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle Cole, and we are excited about today's conversation. We have Fatmata joining us today. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Cleverly Changing Podcast, I am a mom of twins. I homeschooled my children for seven years, and we have just been excited about learning and educating our children. Miriam is my co-host, and Miriam, tell everybody about who you are. Hi, I'm Miriam, and I have four little people under my guidance, and I am a writer, farmer, and all-around creator, and I've been homeschooling these folk, let's see, um, seven, eight years now, yeah, it's been a while. 
we're still going. Wow. Right. So Fatmata, can you introduce yourself? So hi, yeah, my name is Fatmata Jalo. I am um, a mom. I have a three-year-old. Uh, he just, we started doing hybrid process of preschool uh, recently. It's like half preschool, half homeschooling to just kind of give him that socialization as an only child, but also then give him stuff that he needs individually at home. Um, I am a nurse practitioner. I'm a children's book writer. I am a staffing agency owner and a military spouse. I think that's all I can think about right now. <laughs> so you wear a lot of different hats. We totally understand that. Yeah. So, but. That is quite the full plate on my list. <laughs> yes, but you have four little humans under your care that you homeschool. I think that triples or quadruples everything else. <laughs> but you've got four jobs. Okay, no, no, listen. I'm going to tell you, I am an only child. And it's not that bad. That's good to know. <laughs> so, hey, if you keep it at one, which is a smart move. Um, <laughs> I say that with love. I say it with love. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you'll find that he's, he'll be, it's just like he has, you have friends and family yeah. members. And the best part about it is you can send them home. You know, <laughs> he can have that time to himself when he wants. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect, funny. The perfect mix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you said that you are a children's book author. Could you yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about what happened? Um, so I, I've written one book so far and I'm working on a second one. Um, my first book, it's called uh, My Beautiful Son. Um, because my son is three, it was geared towards like toddlers, zero to three. So like preschoolers kind of thing. And it just talks about a mother's hopes and dreams for her son, specifically a black son as she grows up in this uh, chaotic world that we live in, hoping that he keeps his gusto and his energy and his innocence. So, and I do donate 100% of the proceeds to social justice and uh, literacy causes in the US and in Sierra Leone, which is where I'm from originally. So. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, since we are trying to help foster the the growth of young folk, what was it like for you growing up? What's your educational background? How did you come to homeschooling as part of your lifestyle? So, for I grew up in Sierra Leone uh, in Liberia because both countries had civil war. So whenever there's a war in Sierra Leone, we go to Liberia, and then whenever there's a war in Liberia, we go to Sierra Leone. So we went like vice versa. I was school. I went to school there till I was 15 and graduated high school. So when I came here with my parents and my siblings, I decided to get my GED. Actually, I did not want to go back to high school. <laughs> so then I ended up getting my GED, and then I. Um, went to community college, undergrad, and then grad school. I did the long route-ish, but uh, it was my way of doing it. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So in your different experiences and living in different countries, what was one of the best life-changing moments that you experienced growing up? Oh, I think for me, one of the best life-changing experiences, like especially after I moved here, um, growing up in Africa, it was like I was the norm. 
you know what I mean? Everybody looked like me. Everybody sounded like me. I was accepted everywhere I went. I don't think I appreciated that till I moved and I was considered a quote unquote minority. So I think it was more like that, that first formidable years for me where I got to just be me without any pressure or any fear of anything else happening to me because I was quote unquote different. Um, I think those first 15 years that I took for granted now that I'm older, actually, I think those were the best experiences that have kind of formed the person I am today. So, because I feel like at that time, that's when you develop your confidence and who you are as a person. And then to break that confidence down, it's hard after you've already built it up, you know? So, yeah, I took it for granted, but now I appreciate it as I grow quote unquote older. <laughs> yeah. So, was there a difference? Did you notice a difference between the, the way education happened in, at home versus here in the US? Um, yes and no, because I have four, three other siblings. Mm -hmm. um, so um, when they came, they went to the appropriate classes, but it was actually easier for them because schooling back there was harder. In all fairness, we're in private school. Oh. So that's different. Yeah. So we're in private school over there. So schooling there was harder for us than it was here. But when we go back to my parents, like my dad, because I talk to him quite frequently, like he's always impressed that my three-year-old knows like alphabets and, <laughs> and shapes and that sort of a thing. He's like growing up, I did not know my alphabets, numbers and shapes when I was eight because schooling there was like a privilege basically. It's mm -hmm. like, if you went to school, it was like, because your parents had worked hard to put you in grade school or something, you know? So I think because of the hit, because of how he grew up, he wanted to make sure our experiences were different. So generationally, his experience and even people my age, the experiences that they have when they don't have the option to go to private school, it's definitely a lot harder to get educated back there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you older than your siblings? I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah. Oh, trailblazer. <laughs> yes, I'm the oldest of four. No, they, they're keeping up, though. They are. There, I call them the best gifts my parents ever give me. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they are just oh. awesome humans, you know? So, and I, we get closer as we grow up, you know? When we were younger, obviously we were, we were fighting. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, we had issues, and, but now I'm just like, I don't know what I'll do without you guys. I love it. Yeah. I love that sibling yeah. bond. So yeah. I'm wondering, because you've grown up um, just in a space where you were not a minority when you were younger, do you remember the first book that you read that you felt represented as a young Black girl? Interestingly, although we were back there, a lot of the books that we read were white books. <laughs> we read like Babysitter Club. Oh, yes, and I love we <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Sweet Valley High. As I grow older, I remember, I think it was Elizabeth and Jessica, if I if I remember it correctly. Mm -hmm. um, those were the books, unfortunately, that I read. It's it, that now that I look back at it, I'm just like, wow. I was from like grew up in the motherland. I still did not read those books, um, but I remember reading. Um, it was actually a poem by Maya Angelou. I know why a cage bird sings. I don't think I fully understood what it was about. But when I saw who wrote it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I must memorize it for class. You know what I mean? And by then I was like 12, 13. 
Mm. So all, all the books that we had there, unfortunately, were very whitewashed. I'm getting more diversity now in my reading with my son. And as I grow up kind of thing and, and seeking that for myself, but it did not exist. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that is very interesting. I know. Well, we were colonized for a while by the British, so. Yes. Oh, that was in recent history? Recent history, yeah. So we're colonized by the British. So uh, Liberia got independence earlier on, but then they were colonized by America. So all the teaching and the culture and the educational piece of it was westernized. Yeah. I know. But again, I don't speak for the whole continent. This is for Sierra Leone and Liberia. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, I understand. It might be be different (laughs) in other countries. It's like, I know the kinds of things that they, you know, propagate here. Yeah. Particularly to subscribe, I do not particularly subscribe to a lot of it, and so to realize that there, I mean, I understand what colonization is and what they're doing, but I don't know. I guess to hear your personal experience makes it more real than just knowing that this is how colonization and imperialism works. But yeah, yeah, I think I think also kind of in the back of our mind, we're like. people, even though they are living in a place that's colonized, were like, oh, they're renegades. So they were storing books from, you know, the past. I know. And so we, we always have this kind of um, different view, a different lens of the reality, just because it's like, in our spirit, there had to be people fighting against the Westernization. And I'm sure there were, but um, what was accessible probably were the Western books. Correct. Like you can get like historical stuff if you sit with your elders, like sitting with like your grandparents or your great grandparents kind of thing. I was lucky enough to have grandparents, but unlucky enough to not spend enough time with them. Mm -hmm. I wish I had written down all the stories that they had, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to write down everything my dad's saying or record it. Um, But that was, it was like passed down from generation to generation. It was never formally put down in a space that can be transferred to other people. You know, like you have your family history, but you don't have like a general history of the country per se. So, or like the dynasties, like I did not learn about like the, like Manta Munsa and all those people. I didn't learn about them till I was older on my own. You know what I mean? They have so many different kings and queens there. Mm -hmm. And that was not part of my history books. So yes, some of the other guests that we've had on our show, they, um, recalled similar experiences who have grew up in um, on the continent of Africa. So it's definitely something that I think is changing as we get older because we're all more aware of it. And it's like, there's a part of us that has been robbed of the truth. And so it's yeah. like, we're all seeking truths from our past as best we can. Mm-hmm. So, so that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. well said because I, I was ah I was listening to a podcast today, <laughs> and they were touching on this exact thing that we're talking about about how a lot of um, African Americans here in the U.S. kind of romanticize Africa as a whole and countries within Africa, and we don't often think about this piece that we're talking about here with the colonization 
and the dissemination of information and the erasure of culture that you know is important and and I think a lot of us really are searching deep and looking for that it's a missing piece it really is you know to to be able to have that and hold on have something reflect back to you who you are and what life is really supposed to be like yeah, power yeah. to the people. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's all no, right. It totally makes sense. Like as I said, like as I get as I get older, I appreciate the fact that I had those fifteen years. I appreciate the fact that I can go gen- many, many generations thanks to my parents. You know what I mean? Like, so I want to make sure my son gets that, so it doesn't get lost on him. But I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. I've heard that once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah. even though your son is only three, you brought up um, like series, book series. Are there any book series that you've heard of that you're interested in reading to your son? You're like, oh, I can't wait to buy this series for him so I can read it. Are there any series that are tugging at your heart for your son? You know, um, actually, I have it here somewhere. It's a book that was gifted to me. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about this uh, Little Legends. And it just has so many different like inventors and it just it's just has so many powerful black men in history. And I right now he's three, so I can't really read it to him. He won't fully get it. Uh, but I really want to read books like that to him, you know what I mean? Just so he knows like, hey, like I am, I can be anything I want to be, you know what I mean? But I also want to find, and I haven't found these yet, but I want to find adventure series for him um, that maybe just talks about like random things like arts and photography and just to kind of widen his horizon beyond, beyond um stuff that's traditionally stuff that you have to do, but just artistic things so that he knows like there's so much out there that you can do, you know what I mean? So yes, I want to give him the black history piece of it. So he knows like, Hey, this is you, you're going to be different, but you're going to be awesome because that's just how you are. But then I also want to expose him to like the adventure, hiking, seeking photography kind of place. You know what I mean? I haven't found that yet but I'm seeking that. (laughs) I think what you're saying just resonates, especially with me because my daughters love mystery books and adventure books that are just like normal, just kids having fun. And often when we see books written by black authors, not all of them. So (laughs) let me make that caveat very clear. I know it's not all of them, but a lot of them are nonfiction biography books. And my Mm -hmm. kids aren't really interested in that. And so it's like, they just, want to be as children and they want to read books where the children are just having fun. And so sometimes we overdo it with these think these heavy think pieces and our kids are like, where are the kids rollerblading? Where are they just uh, playing soccer or, you know, um, just having fun, just going on an adventure or, you know, finding something. And so um, that is something that they already do exist. I know, um, I don't know if it's for little kids though, but I know that um, Octavia Butler, for instance, she wrote about like Martians and aliens and sci-fi and she was a black woman. And I think um, those type of books where it's like 
it's sci-fi. It's just sci-fi. It's not a, you know, a treatise on uh, the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is a place for that. And we need to expose our children to that because they deserve just to be kids. Exactly. It's just that they need a balance in life. They, it can't be heavy all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> life is heavy enough as it is. I agree. Be able to escape in a book. And I think for a lot of a lot of children, especially when we want to create or not create, but kind of foster this love of reading within our children, we really do have to let them go after what interests them because mm -hmm. as they, you know, get more and more into books and reading, then they start branching out into some of these things that mm -hmm. I have a little more depth and a little more weight to them. And they're able to appreciate them and learn from them and apply what they're reading into their everyday world. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of baby steps, you know, let them, let them be kids. We got to stop trying to adultify these people sometimes. And I know it's hard to do that, especially at the age that, um, so my oldest is uh, 14 mm. and right. <laughs> you know, it's that age where they feel like I got this. You know, I know what I'm doing. Do I really want to hear your opinion kind of thing? And they, they're trying out, they're trying on this cloak of adulthood. They don't really have it on yet, but they're just testing it out. And it's hard to keep in mind that still a child and mm -hmm. she's learning and testing and wanting to be in charge, but you know, I can't really yeah. let her be in charge fully because I mean, there's some things here. <laughs> yeah. But I think the same thing applies with, you know, the books and the choices that we give them. I think it's good to even just have them around because then oh, if they want to pick I, it up. I fully agree. My, my son thinks books are toys. Like he doesn't, he doesn't consider them reading like it, he like and he has a variety we have like three different reading stations and each night he picks the books that he wants to read like in his room sometimes it'll be animal books sometimes it'll be like random books and he was in a max in the tag along moon phase for a while which we read way too many times and then it was grumpy monkey for too many days but he he picks the books that he wants to read and sometimes it's one, sometimes it's none, sometimes it's three, but it doesn't, I feel like I don't want to force him into reading and, but he's just grown to love it because he thinks it's a, it's a game <laughs> at this point. But I think having it around though, is what made that happen. It would not have happened if it was impossible. So I agree. It's like, you got to guide them while letting them be themselves I'm not even mentally ready to think about what it would be like after a five-year-old. So 14 for me right now, I'm like, I don't know. Let's just get to five. <laughs> <laughs> right. I definitely yeah. can relate to that. Yeah. So, so I, I know when my children were very young, I remember walking into bookstores. As a matter of fact, before I had actually given birth, the first gifts I bought my kids were books because I just got excited. And mm -hmm. I love books. And when you love books, it's easy to translate that to your children and immerse them in an environment that has books. So I do remember going in the store and 
looking around and not necessarily seeing any books that I thought were reflective of what my kids would be at that time because I was still expecting. Have you ever had difficulty finding books that you felt represented your child? So when I had my baby shower, I had a, a book themed baby shower. Everybody had to bring a storybook for him. So he started with a very intense-ish library already had all those books. So when it was time to replace those books or as I got to know him and how they just bite books and destroy books, and I will go, I went to Barnes and Nobles to try to see if I can like um, find a bookstore. And there was a book for him. There's like a section. <laughs> and then there's like the big section for all the other books. You know what I mean? You definitely have to go searching for it. Mm-hmm. And um, then I ended up just doing a lot of online orders because I was disappointed. But with online, at least I can specify what I want. Mm-hmm. And I can then maybe get more information that way, but it still requires more clicking than if I just wanted a regular children's book that didn't fully represent him. So research is still needed to get the books that fully represents who he is as a person. They do exist. You just have to try to find it. And it depends on the bookstore that you go, that you go into, I guess, because they also have like bookstores like Mahogany Bookstore, which I, I can't wait to go to in the DC area. So if I were to go into those kind of a bookstores, then I will be, I'm sure, thoroughly impressed versus the regular stores that we have around us. But it's definitely not mainstream yet. I, I'll say anyways, from my experience going into the store. Yeah. Okay, well, it's clear that you have a deep love and appreciation for books. So what is it that brought you into, hey, I'm going to create my own books. What really inspired you to become an author and to keep the pen going? So it was uh, 2020. Oh, that was a slightly tough year, I heard. I'm not sure if you guys remember much about it. Yeah, <laughs> the pandemic had started. Marches were going on and I was doing some marches, but I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and I am not a rich human. I can't just keep donating. You know what I mean? And I had written this, this book for my son and my plan was just to get it simply illustrated, nothing like I have now and just kind of give it to him. Like when he's older, like, Hey, when things get tough, just kind of look at this. And then you can know that everything will be okay. Just remember your toddler years how innocent you were and then I was like hey maybe other parents want this book so then I got it illustrated and when the self-publishing route and that's how the book came to fruition and now as he's getting older I want to get we're in the my husband's in the military I guess we are as well since I get to move around with him a lot so (laughs) and I was like these are some awesome adventures we're having in different places we just lived in Alaska for three years oh my land so I'm gonna yeah (laughs) that was fun (laughs) so I'm gonna just like now now that I've done the emotional book I'm probably gonna start writing um just books about our experiences because we love going outdoors and just kind of spreading that word about it the good part and the adventure part of being a military kid so my life has inspired my writing. I guess that's the short answer. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. You know, yeah. you write about what you know and you're an expert on your experiences. So that's what you can share and nobody can take those stories away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what is your favorite part about being an author thus far? I think it's just so far, it's just the people that I've met. You know what I mean? Um, when I first published my book, I wish I had actually waited just a smidge and network a little bit more before publishing it. I would have gotten a lot more information. Uh, but I've just met so many amazing people that are working on books about representation and different types of books that I'm just like, whoa, we just don't have the platform for it, but it does exist. That's what I meant by you have to go searching for it. And I just, I love that I can share my experiences because I know my experience or my kid's experience and my, and my thoughts are not completely unique. They have thoughts that other parents have. So I'm like, maybe I can represent a small group of people and get information out there. So it's just the connecting piece with other people, other authors specifically, and also spreading information that I think needs to be out there. So I look forward to like someday actually interacting with the kids, doing story time, which I just kind of started doing and just kind of answering some of their questions, you know, and going from there. So, but yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. The, you mentioned that you lived in Alaska for three years. I did. I have so many tangent questions, but I'm going to stay on time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there any place that you've lived or visited that really made you feel most like yourself and most inspired to, yes, and most, in, most inspired to, uh, um, realize your purpose? Um, I think each place we've lived have gotten a little something different for us. Um, like Alaska was inspiring in terms of just the beauty of the world and the scenery and the greenery. It was not very diverse. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I did manage to make like form a village over there. And as a military spouse, when you get a village of friends, that's like the lottery. <laughs> so um, I did um, form some friends over there and we were able to like explore and everything. Um, so I got a lot of life experiences out of that, just kind of getting outside of my comfort zone and learning to mingle with everybody else. Uh, but we're in South Carolina now and I feel very comfortable here compared to there. I enjoyed the scenery and the exploring when I was in Alaska, but there's a comfort level over here because a lot of my neighbors look like me. You know what I mean? I go to the store. A lot of the neighbor, a lot of people at the store look like me. So it's, uh, I feel like there's a big chance that South Carolina, although it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of Alaska, might be like a place that really inspire me to do more. So although my next book is inspired by Alaska, but I'm hopeful for South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful beautiful so um alaska is a place that i've always wanted to travel to because i think just seeing the pictures is beautiful i'm not looking forward to the cold so i was like oh i'm gonna have to go you know <laughs> in the summer months um but i think that every place has its beauty and i think one thing about alaska is the solitude did you experience any like just quiet moments where you felt like it was just beautiful? And because I feel like nature changes us and allows us to see yeah. beauty outside of ourselves in a different type of way. Is that something that you experienced there? 
So we, I love hiking, like just going up a mountain is like a happy place for me. I might be huffing and puffing, but I get up to, you get up to a mountain and you just like look down and you just like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And it's so densely, it's not populated at all. It's very like, there's like too, so much greenery everywhere. So like, especially during the pandemic, hiking was like my happy thing to do. It was my peaceful thing to do. And then I found a group of people that wanted to do that. So then it just became like my social scene. So yes, it was just peaceful. You just go up or you just walk around. Um, like just beautiful lakes and trees and you just it, you can't help but just feel a sense of peace and you almost forget about everything else that was going on at that time because you're just like I can't believe I live in a world like this it's so pretty why is so much awful things happening but look at all this you know what I mean so definitely hiking was a, a sense of peace and relaxation for me and it definitely was my time to just kind of think about the most random things, nothing deep, you know what I mean? But just kind of leave everything and think about random, beautiful things that are around me. So yeah. So that's why I said it was inspiring. It was good. I will always be grateful for living there. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. That cold is no good. <laughs> okay, so I, I can't, I can't help myself. I have to ask. That's okay. <laughs> I have two questions that can be quick. One, were you in a zone where it was I, I've heard that in certain parts it gets okay. So my question about the the light and dark were you all in that zone where it would be super dark for points of years for six months? I know what you're saying. There are some places that don't see sun for months, but for us, we always had like day and night. Um, we did live in like a midnight sun kind of a situation. Uh, in the summertime, you have times when the sun doesn't go down to like midnight, um, which is kind of nice because you can come, you can leave work and go to dinner at a rooftop <laughs> or leave work and go hiking and you still have sun. So I did not mind the daylight at all. And then you have times when the sun will go down like around three. Um, those were a little harder because it's nice and cold, um, make the best of it by getting a good book. Um, so we had a variety of things. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's all mind over matter, really. You just know it's coming and you're like, okay, what am I going to do about these few months? So that is an yeah. excellent approach because I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'd be losing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, hold on, but wait, she grew up in Sierra Leone. I know. <laughs> and here she is in the yeah. Ding Dong Arctic Circle. What? <laughs> okay. I think I'm just an adventurous soul. So it just kind of, it works out for me. And I just, I, I just have the mentality of if you make the best of where you are and you try, that's way better. It's three years. Make the best of it versus complaining about it. That's my, that's my thought process anyways. And you'll be pleasantly surprised what you can find, you know, so yeah thank you like just today I went like just to get coffee and I saw some graffiti art around me I was like oh my god and I googled that lady and she has multiple different arts around so I went around South Carolina looking at different artwork <laughs> and that was just a different experience yeah so that's an organic yeah. homeschool experience it is exactly you just yeah <laughs> yeah we're just so i don't know if my three-year-old appreciated it too much but i he got i got to see different artwork yeah, yeah not yet but he will yeah, he will. But he will. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm yeah. wondering, you, you said that your book is named Beautiful Sun and it was inspired by your son. Do you have a favorite page in your book? Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and tell us if you have a favorite page? Um, so it's, um, I have it here. I guess every author have a book close by when they're doing anything. Um, but it is, um, it's a quick read cause it's for a toddler, but there's this one page. Um, it's one of the last pages and it just has him kind of sitting down, looking at reading his book and looking and with different toys around him. And it just says, I hope you remember that you're a beautiful soul with endless potential because that's really what I want them to get. Like, that's what I want kids to remember as they grow up is like their potential is endless. And um, the toys around them signifies the potentially different things that they could do with their lives if they, if they wanted to. So that's definitely my favorite page. And it's the most um, well-illustrated page, I think. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and all the pictures were illustrated based on my the activities my son was doing on different days. <laughs> so I just sent pictures of what he was doing and the illustrated did that. Yeah. That is beautiful. I think just having that personal connection and being able to look at the book. Every time you see your book, it's like you're looking yeah. at different aspects of your son while he was a yeah. toddler. So I think that makes it extra special. Um, I'm sure when you gave a copy to your family or when they bought a copy, they feel like it's extra special because they know that your son is the muse behind the book. Yeah. So they were definitely appreciative of it. And uh, I try to also make it in such a way that other moms can see their kids in it. So the kid might look slightly older than my son um, and his face, the face might be slightly different and generic because again, I wanted it to be so that I can see it and another mom can see it and be like, okay, yes, I can see this as my son, you know? That's beautiful yeah. and very relatable. I think, you know, when people can relate to the book is something that stays in their mind for years to come because mm -hmm. they can see a piece of themselves. And the fact that you thought about that, I think makes it extra special. So thanks so much for sharing that with yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. But. So as we close, I know this has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like there's so many other things we can talk to you about besides just being an author, being a mom and being a military spouse. Cause I think there each one of those different aspects has its own insight and its own beauty. Um, one thing that you mentioned at the beginning, though, that I think um, people who are listening to this podcast, I think one thing that they'll wonder is, you mentioned that you had all of these, you wore all of these different hats. So you yeah. have different jobs and different roles, and you have a toddler. And so I know <laughs> that parents are wondering, wait a minute, how are you doing it all? Um, I have a supportive husband. Uh, that helps with that. And I have a super supportive family that even now my sister's here with me for about three to four weeks. Yeah. So like, that's why I said they're the best gifts my parents give me. Um, I'm doing it because of my support system. I could not do it without my support system um, or else I will be doing it all horribly because um, it's just too many hats to wear. And I know my limits. Um, sometimes when I, if the authorpreneur world gets a little too busy, 
I would, I, I am not beyond stepping back for a little bit, getting a breather and then going back to it. So I try to find a balance easier said than done though, obviously, <laughs> but I think my support system definitely makes it doable without them. I, I, I know for sure I won't be able to do it. Yeah. So I'm lucky for sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Cause yes, you're right. <laughs> when you don't have help, you're not able to give as much of yourself to nope. all these different enterprises. Mm -hmm. But I am very interested, <clears throat> excuse me, perhaps we can have you back to discuss this about- Happy to be back, oh, yeah. What am I saying? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> education. <clears throat> what? Okay, education and being a military family, how you all are navigating that, especially as he gets older, it starts to matriculate through mm -hmm. more spaces with more children. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I am taking it a year at the time of this point. You know what I mean? Like he's at this stage right now where hybrid is working for him. I am able to give him individualized stuff while he still socializes. Uh, in a year, I will try to navigate the process next time um, but a lot of the a lot of the friends that we have especially in Alaska it was a big homeschooling um, community even before the pandemic started because the grading system there for the school wasn't great um, so a lot of parents I mean and it's hard to find a job whenever you move as a military spouse all the time so and you also got compensated there if you are homeschooling um, so a lot of them homeschooled. So I think as a military person, it's almost like your decision is made base to base based on what your school system is. So that's what I've from talking to my neighbors and my friends that were over there, but it's definitely a, a just as you go kind of a lifestyle. Wow. I, yeah. I never, <laughs> I never would have imagined that it was a lot of military families homeschooling because I would think that the network would be very close. And so mm. you would have teachers on base. So I just thought it was um, just one of those close knit communities where, you know, it's like, oh, my teacher knows my mom, my teacher knows my yeah. dad, but maybe it's not even like that. <laughs> no, it's all, I'm fine. We've been in the uh, three bases now i'm finding a lot of things are situ like base and location uh dependent yeah so but no that's that was my thought too i was like oh my god i'm gonna have a military spouse club it's gonna be so fun you know what i mean it's um i'm gonna have a support system basically is what i thought but you have to actively try and some of us that are not fully sociable it takes some time <laughs> yes, yeah yes so well, it has been a true joy just talking to you and hearing your different experiences. Can you tell everybody where they can connect with you? And if there's anything else you want to share, can you share that as well? Sure. Um, you can connect with me at fatmadajalobooks.com and that's www. I'll spell it out because uh, it's not the easiest name. <laughs> F-A-T-M-A-T-A. That's my first name. Last name is J-A-L-L-O-H books.com or my book, My Beautiful Son can be found on Amazon. Um, but my website has my most recent information um, on there. And on Instagram, it's my son's name, Saj, S-A-J-S, that book corner. So, 
And I'm working right now on a second edition of my book because as I said, I published it before I like did so much networking. And I just kind of republish it so that it can actually get into bookstores because right now it's just on Amazon. And I really want to get into black bookstores because I think um, it needs to be in those bookstores. So I'm working on revamping it right now and making sure that it has a better reach. Yeah, that should hopefully be done my next month. Fingers and toes crossed. <laughs> yes. Well, congratulations to you. We wish you all the best. And um, thank you so much for sharing your story with you. And we'll be in contact because we definitely yes, would love to please. have you back in the future. Yes, um, I will make time. This has been a, a good conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. And everybody, please remember, we will leave all of those links in the show notes. So go to the show notes page at cleverlychanging.com to find the show notes. All right. Bye now. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.